Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's episode 12 of the Unraveling Technology podcast with me, Joe Tonks, David Johnson, Hello. and our special guest, Matthew Lola. Are you oh. all right? Yeah, I'm well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, yes, today we're going to be talking about health technology. Uh, and on the issue of health, Matt, you've just been to, I understand you've been down to Ponds Forge where you've been doing something to do with Ninja Warrior, which is, which is new to me. I only found out about it because Matt told me. Yeah, that's right. So Ponds Forge have just opened or relaunched their gym with an effort to attract some of the kind of free running parkour Ninja Warrior style athletes down to the gym. So they've installed... Um, kind of old school monkey bars, ropes. If you're into fitness, you'll know about TRX um, ropes, which are kind of specialist ropes with handles, so you can do pull-ups and push-ups and uh, use them as kind of gym rings. Um, and they've also installed some specialist mats and some kind of pressure-sensitive flooring uh, that integrates with um, uh, an app that's then displayed on HD TVs on the wall, so you can run high-intensity interval training sessions and it records the data from your workout and stuff. Oh, so. right. I thought, like, when you said pressure, pressured floor tiles, I thought, like, in the Ninja Warrior style, maybe you stand on the wrong one and it <laughs> oh, right, yeah, no. plummet into a, to water or something yeah. like that, yeah. No, no, these are more about tracking your um, the intensity of your workout. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think the data would even be sent to your phone after you've done the, app, uh, after you've done the workout. Okay. I know they told you to, to go dressed for the occasion. Did you get to give it a go? I did go dressed for the occasion, but they, no, it was, it was a bit disappointing, really. They didn't actually do anything um, kind of inclusive of the crowd, which was a bit disappointing. They had some free runners who okay. did some amazing demonstrations, and they had uh, two dancers who were like fitness dancers who danced synced to music on a treadmill while it was rolling. Which oh. Was quite cool. oh, right, okay. Yeah, I think like multitasking to the nth degree there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did. Um, I did volunteer to be in a human chain and let one of the free runners do like a somersault, aerial flip over the chain of six or seven people. Pretty impressive. Yeah, so. I, I always thought it was quite a specific set of skills. The the whole ninja warrior thing, because outside of these very specific environments they can construct, is there really many places to free run in Sheffield? Probably. There's, yeah, I think around Sheffield Hallam campus, there's a lot of, um, outside the main building in city centre, there's, um, there's an area where there's always parkour and freerunners practising. Mm. Um, but I've always thought practising for freerunning parkour would be quite difficult, because when you fall, it hurts. Y- yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in a controlled environment, mm. I know that there are some gyms now that have like foam pits and stuff where you can practise your flips and jumps into the pits. Yeah. Um, that's your incentive not to fail, though. Yeah. I remember when my when I was younger, my sister had a David Blaine DVD, and in between his, you know, rubbish magic tricks and stuff, it would cut to, like, him, you know, spouting all this philosophy about, like, when I was younger, I used to climb the tallest tree, and, you know, and my, you know, my motivation was, if I fall, I'm going to injure myself. I've just got to push myself. <laughs> That's good at motivation. Yeah. Don't get hurt. David yeah. Blaine wasn't there, was he? No, he wasn't. He's been no. missing for a while, I think. No. He like did a trick where he was in a goldfish tank for like a week or something like that, but then he couldn't do it. And then he escaped from the hospital they took him to afterwards. I don't know. Right. He was mad. Well, there was a there was one of the free runners. I think it's a Polish guy, 
and he was um, was quite um, plump. It's probably the right word. And yeah. He was so impressive. Like he was quite a big lad, and the flips and his tumbling and acrobatic stuff was amazing. So I'd love to have seen him on Ninja Warrior. I think he could um, he could go far. He looked like a strong lad. All right. Yeah. Um, because we were saying they're not usually quite built types, are they? They're yeah, usually no. quite lankier. Did you say what? Who did you say won it earlier, David? Um, so I've not. I don't really watch the program much, but I've oh, been no, shown no. various episodes by people, and there was definitely a guy who I think was a Japanese fisherman who essentially constructed his own training course out of bits of boats and things, and oh, just yeah. kind of did it all himself and had no formal like people come in and train him or anything and yeah he won so yeah well, i think a lot of the contestants for ninja warrior do that sort of thing they get like four by fours from b&q or uh, wicks or something like that and they construct pull-up bars and balance beams and the salmon ladder is probably the most difficult one of the most difficult from watching it i've, I've never done it i don't have strength to do it but so which one's the salmon ladder the salmon ladder is it's kind of like a pull-up bar um, but it's not fixed, and so you have to ratchet up a ladder by, by like throwing your body up in a pull-up way, and then. So you're like hanging from a horizontal bar. Yeah, from like almost like a trapeze bar. But that's and you're then jumping that bar up yeah, steps up of notches. Yeah, yeah, and then it and it catches, but it takes a lot of, take a huge amount of a lot of strength. strength. Yeah, um, yeah, I was looking at it, and it looked looked pretty intense. I will just mention at this point and apologise for any additional noise you can hear. We got some work going on in the building uh, next to us, and uh, I think their their main hours of operation are between two and three p.m., which is when we record the podcast. But hey, let's jump into it then. We're going to talk about health technology today. We've got a wide variety of things to get through, and we figured Matt was probably one of the best people to talk us through some of the latest advances in. Uh, advances in health tech considering you're quite quite a fit person yourself aren't you Matt? you go for frequent runs you're down the gym quite a lot yeah so i've always played sports and been involved in sports i've always been a big part of my life but mm. kind of recently i've um taken up running and have set a goal to run a sheffield half marathon yeah. um in honor of the sheffield children's hospital so i'm building a team i think our team's currently kind of eight or ten runners and we're all training for April the 10th to run the half marathon. Right. But coming from a rugby background and being a fairly good-sized fella, um, I'm not really built for running. So I'm calling on all the tech that there is right now to, uh, <laughs> to keep me motivated and to and to train me, really, because I don't have any experience running. Okay. Um, so 13.10 miles. Uh, I think before I started training, the furthest I'd ever run was three miles. Yeah. So. Okay, well, good luck with it. Let's, uh, let's blast through some tech. So the first thing I thought of was when I think wearable health tech, I think the sort of the bands you can get. So there's quite a lot. Um, Fitbit, um, Microsoft Band, Microsoft Band. Yeah, they've got it on the action. Pebble, Pebble. What? Pebble was a watch, wasn't it? it was uh, I don't know. Originally, yeah, it was it was a kickstarted e-ink display watch. Oh, is that one of those things they didn't deliver on? Like it was meant to come out for Android and iOS, but they only re- released it for Android in the end or something like that. To be honest, I stopped paying attention <laughs> to it after a while. I think the thing is there's so much out there at the moment, it kind of blends into one. It's, uh, yeah, there, there was a while when, I don't know if you were around at the time, Matt, but... Pretty much everyone in the company got these uh, jawbone 
yeah. Jaw bones, which were which were quite good. So they are, you know, they you walk around, they track the amount of steps you take. They they can track your sleep patterns as well. Yeah, and it all tied into this the this app, and it was like a mini social network, which was weird. It was it was it was yeah. a good idea. Um, so we yeah we all joined. All everybody at work got them, and we all joined together in this social network. And then we could see how many steps each person was taking every day, and things like that. If you wanted to share that information, you didn't have to. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was an interesting idea. It made you more conscious of how much you were walking and what your sleep pattern was like. Until they all broke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the so, failure rate was unbelievable. We, so this is this was the jawbone up. Original yeah. version of the up and they've it since might have been, an up been two, maybe maybe there's there's definitely been newer versions out since so I can't speak for what is out there on the market at the moment but the ones we had mm. we had an incredible amount of failure rate yeah it, I got I thought I was doing well because usually when we have some sort of tech that goes around the office mine tends to do pretty well but even mine broke and that's saying <laughs> something yeah mine mine broke. Um, I think one of our guys had like three or four of them. Yeah, I think about Simon or, or Joe got through a ton of them. Yeah. I think that this is partly because um, a lot of the companies wanted to jump on the tech bandwagon and they quickly tried to rush to market and release some products before they'd really gone through the paces of testing. And mm. I know a lot of the early Fitbit did the same. They broke regularly. Yeah. Um, and, and Fitbit had great customer service, so they would send you a new one if it broke. Uh, even if it's outside the warranty. Yeah, yeah. Jawbone sent us replacements. Um, <laughs> Is that for as long as the warranty held out and I then think, no more? Well, I think we kind of all given up on them by about a year. But we definitely, we all got free replacements and multiple free replacements. But yeah. I meant to check before we came down to see if anyone still got theirs. I don't think anyone does. I think they've all perished so, by now. So one of the things that happened in between us all getting jawbones and the warranty completely running out was um, things like the iPhone and Android phones started doing step tracking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so a lot of people would say, do you really need a fitness tracker anymore when your phone can do it? Because the, the healthcare app on the iPhone, and I'm presuming there's something similar on Android, it's pretty good actually as far as tracking stuff. But Matt, I see you sat there, you're sporting some kind of fitness-looking band. Is that Fitbit? Yeah, so I wear a Fitbit Charge HR, and um, part of the reason I got this one was because I wanted to be able to monitor different levels of cardiovascular workout. Um, and actually, Fitbit have gotten into a little bit of trouble recently um, uh-huh. with their um, Charge HR and all their heart rate monitoring ones. Um, because there's been a class action lawsuit um, in the States um, against them because according to a group of people, the heart rate monitoring is not very consistent. Um, Although I have to say, my experience is mine's very consistent. I'm not, for a while I checked it against another heart rate monitor and they always seemed to be a beat or two within each other. Um, And that was a medical, actual medical grade heart rate monitor. Mm. Whereas um, this one's not, but it seems pretty accurate. Seems to do the job, yeah. yeah. I saw there was a TV program about what what to buy, and they were looking at the fitness monitors, and they were running up and down this, I can't remember what it's called, the the Olympic 
the 20 I think it was to do with the Olympics uh, some piece of modern art there that you could run to the top of and run back down again and that they tried I think it was a Tom Tom I think they do like okay, a GPS yeah. watch yeah, or yeah. something they had a Fitbit and then they just had a regular phone in a pouch on someone's arm yeah. they were testing them all and yeah there were varying degrees of you know rubbish so you know some were miscounting worse than others but at the end of the day they all showed a trend and I think that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, no one's going to go and check whether they actually counted 12,115 yeah, yeah, steps. Yeah. But as a general indication. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the idea for me. I look at it, I, I don't care if I've actually done eight, 18,932 steps in a day. But it's the, or if my heart rate, resting heart rate or maximum heart rate is at 145 or 52. But it's about the trends. So I... It's all about the highs and the lows. Yeah, and so over Christmas, you know, classic Christmas um, festive period, I ate too many mince pies, drank too much wine. My resting heart rate, according to my Fitbit, um, jumped from the 50 range to the 70 range. Okay. And then after Christmas, when I got back um, into training, it dropped back down over the course of about a week from 74 resting heart rate to 50... 52 right in that range so whether it's exactly precise is not really what i care about it's about seeing trends mm-hmm. and so eighteen thousand steps might not be right but it's if it's consistently inconsistent then it provides consistency yeah it's a bit complicated but i like that they <laughs> but, should use yeah. that as their tagline yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so to me it's about if it's in, inconsistent one day it's gonna be inconsistent another which eventually perform uh, provides consistency um, yeah, over a long enough period. Yeah, over a long enough period. So I can look at my my app on my phone and um, and see a trend in my steps and in my heart rate and in the floors that I climb, the number of floors a day. Um, and if I want it really accurate, then Fitbit has in their app a GPS function. Yeah. So if you're going on a long run or something, you can turn that on and it will track your GPS. Right. Um, through your phone. So yourself, map that I saw had like done a run because you know when you can upload these things to Facebook and it'll show you the, the path you've taken route, yeah. yeah did it show your route was, was it you who ran the route of like a word right you no, I'm just I trying to think through my <laughs> there was someone I, I think it might have been around Christmas maybe someone or the new year someone ran like the word 2016 or something uh, like that okay and I thought, that's quite good, but did they have to do a lot of doubling back, you know, to sort yeah. of connect yeah. up the up the numbers or something? Well, not intentionally, but by default, one of my routes, which I've nicknamed the Sparrow, is, um, okay. is the outline of a Sparrow. And it's just a, a route, it's about a six and a half mile run that I do probably once a week, and it gives a fairly, fairly good looking Sparrow outline. Yeah, if he does uh, say so. Yeah, if I do say so, so myself. Bit of, a, bit of an artist as well as, uh, as a <laughs> yeah, fitness enthusiast. By accident. So. Can you sort of share your runs with other people online? Can you can you upload them? Can, does, does it crowdsource good runs for you to go on? Yeah, so um, so Fitbit have just, with the latest version of the app, or, or one of the latest versions of the app, introduced the sort of GPS fitness tracking, which will map down. It, it works with Google Maps and then kind of creates a map and it shows you exactly the roads you ran on it even shows your elevation um and then it'll put together like your overall gain elevation from the high and the low and it'll work out the difference between the two and do all of that stuff um but not a lot of but that's limited to just fitbit mm. so i actually integrate my fitbit with another app called map my run which is a much broader 
uh, fitness tracking app um, and map my run. It doesn't really matter if you had a Jawbone or a TomTom -tom or um, the Microsoft Band or whatever sort of fitness tracker you have. Most all of them integrate with Map My Run, and it's a, it's it's kind of like the Facebook of of the running world. Um, okay. And right. probably one of my favorite things is if I do a run, um, and some and you can kind of create routes in um, and kind of create them permanently. And then other people can run them, and then it will rank you on who's running the fastest. <laughs> um, but if you accidentally run part of someone else's route, it will gauge how fast you ran that segment of the run, and then tell you how fast you did compared to everyone else who's run that. So oh, sometimes okay. you get like these little gold nuggets, like Ecclesall Road in Sheffield. The other day I ran down it, and I did it like seven. I did a mile down Ecclesall Road in about seven minutes forty-five or something, and then it told me I was fifth place for that route. I nice. didn't know that route existed, but it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm fit. Yeah. That's pretty good. Spirit, be happy to be anything but number one. I'm fit, yeah. But we were talking. I was talking to um, Peter uh, in the kitchen at lunch, and he was t talking about an app called Strava, oh, yeah. which is a similar yeah. thing for biking. It might also you be can for, do running it for running as well. Running as well, yeah. Strava's. You tend to find the really serious runners and cyclists use Strava. It's kind of a split crowd. Okay. And sort of. Um, kind of, I don't know, more amateur people like myself who not my run. Okay. And partly, I think, Strava, according to the people who use it, is more accurate Yeah. Um, at average times and the, the GPS locations and all that. But Map My Run looks much better as an interface. Right, so, okay, yeah. And it has a lot, like, like twice as many features. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. And Map My Run's become so popular, it's been bought out by Under Armour. Uh, Under Armour, it's not a big brand in this country or in Europe, but in the States, Under Armour is like the one that really competes with Nike. In fact, I'm wearing all Under Armour stuff today. So you are. <laughs> oh, very good. That was basically just what we need is uh, AR stuff, so you can actually see people's ghosts when you're running. Yeah, like real life Mario Kart. Yeah. Funnily enough, there's there's a road up by our office, uh, Mary Street, which. Uh, um, is a cobbled road and on Strava there's a stretch because it it does it in stretches as you say doesn't it so between here and here this is a run you know let's let's compare times for that run and it's called the Mary Street Cobble Dash oh, right. okay. <laughs> it sounds like something out of Mario Kart but I drive my car down there in the morning <laughs> so if I was to stick the Strava app on and just floor it yeah. <laughs> I mean is there an element of honesty in these apps or does it detect, does it go, well, no human being is able to do this on foot, so they must yeah. be lying? I, I, don't, I don't think any of the apps uh, are smart enough to realize if you're in the car yet. Maybe, maybe they do. But I know that I regularly forget my Fitbit one. Mm. Um, if, I'm, if I'm walking the dog, I normally don't use Map My Run because it's a running app. But if I'm just going to do a long walk with the dog, I'll use the, fitness GPS, or the Fitbit GPS thing. And the number of times I forget to turn it off when I get in the car and then drive home... And it says I've done like a mile in three minutes or whatever. Oh. Uh, and then I just have to delete the data, which is really disappointing. So Fitbit, <laughs> if you're listening, develop that feature. <laughs> I'm sure someone's listening. A sudden increase someone's in speed and the app saying, are you still walking? Would be really handy. Yeah, maybe you just got in the zone. Though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. you just got warmed up. All right. David, um, give us something else. What else have we got from the fitness world of tech? Um, health world, not necessarily fitness. 
Well, if, if, if you want to stay on similar topics but slight tangents, have you come across any of the slightly more fun fitness apps? Uh, I think I have. So um, things like Zombies Run. Oh, yeah. You come across yeah. that? Yeah. No, I've never tried it. And to be honest, I've been a bit self-conscious about trying something like that because it's a lot of... Well, from what I understand anyway, it's basically a survival game where you run and it maps your location in real time using GPS, but then you're trying to avoid fake zombies. So, yes, I think you... It Basically, you, you're running and at the same time listening to your to basically an audio drama on your phone punctuated, I think, with songs from your music collection. Oh. So I don't think it's constant audio drama. Um, but yeah, and it will it will tell you a story and you'll have different missions that you need to run a certain amount to complete these missions. Mm. Um, and then every now and again it will tell you, oh no, there's this has happened and there's this huge horde of zombies are heading towards <laughs> you and you better start sprinting. And if you don't if you don't pick up the pace and start sprinting, then you fail that particular uh, mission. Okay. So right. like it will encourage you to kind of you're supposed to go out and run at a normal pace, and then every now and again it'll introduce like a sprint phase where you've got to sprint for a bit. Yeah, so almost like high intensity sort of interval training mm. mixed in. So, so the downside of that, mm. at least as far as the. I think the review I looked at was a while back, uh, written a while back, but um, yeah, it doesn't take things like hills into account. So if you reach the bottom of a hill and it tells you to start sprinting, <laughs> then you're in trouble. You die, basically. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but the zombies don't care if you just hit a hill, David. You've got to exactly. keep running. Exactly. So it doesn't take sort of. Um, where you are into account so it's not like oh don't go down this road because there's a zombie coming that way it's just you go your normal route and adjust your speed accordingly. yeah at least from the as i say the the review i read was a little old so may well have changed recently but um yeah it did just seem to be about you know maintaining a fairly constant speed and then every now and again having to do these sprints and if you manage to do that then you complete the missions and if you don't you don't Okay, yeah. They did another one as well called The Walk, mm. uh, which... Similar premise, but for walking yeah, instead of running. Yeah, it sounds less strenuous, and I think there's some, some narrative built up around that. Yeah, I like that idea. Well, the zombie run uh, one does walking as well. So if you're just a keen walker and you like zombies and you want to mix the two together, yeah. then walk through dark park at night and turn it on. Have a go. <laughs> nice. So it's got a walking dead setting as well as running. As well as the 28 days later zombie yeah, type, yeah, yeah. we've got the walking dead type. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I had a look. It looks like that, that app's been going for a while, but they're still mm. updating it. So it's interesting. I wonder how that how they sustain that. Like, do they keep do they put new narratives in it every now and then? Is there... I didn't check to see if there's a subscription involved or anything like that. Well, their website says that there's over 200 missions and that if you complete all those, you can start building your own missions. Presumably, you build those around the sort of route you want to run. Oh, so maybe you could record your record your own narrative or something and put it yeah. online for other people to follow. But the other thing, I know, I, I don't know if they're connected directly, but I know that there's now like zombie runs you can actually do where a friend of mine did one in Newcastle recently where a bunch of people say, I want to dress up as a zombie for the night. And then it's like a 5K or 10K through the woods at, you know, at night. 
and there are zombies around, and the idea is to is to run. Kind of like there's these color runs and all different kinds of runs that you can do nowadays. But the zombie one looks particularly scary. Right. <laughs> you run through woods at night with people dressed up, fake blood and all that sort of stuff, looking like zombies. I've seen like the experiences you can have. The ones where you're in a, a, a mall that they're going to tear down, so instead they do it to cordon off the doors and fill it full of people dressed as zombies. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That sort of thing. So I don't know if that has anything to do with the app, but or if mm. they're connected, but. Those look like they'd be pretty motivating to get moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd give you that push that you need. Yeah. And um, Spotify has a feature for running now as well. So uh, I think uh, you get up to a certain tempo, and yeah. I guess it figures from the from the Motion pedometer, zone. you know, yeah. what sort of beat you're at, and then it'll find music that's best suited to it. Yeah. Which sounds great. Yeah, I've used it a couple times, and um, the only problem is, well, it's, it's not a huge problem because it's quite a clever thing, really, but... When, like we've talked about already with hills, when you get to a hill and it doesn't, once you get running, it sets and that's it. So it doesn't change if your pace changes. Right. So the music, the track won't change. So if you decide, like at the end, the first half of your run, you're going to run at a quite a decent pace. And then maybe the second half, like I often do, I want to begin to cool down. So I run a bit slower or just because I'm knackered. Or yeah. if I run up a hill. Um, then you have this like driving music. Kind of pumping in your ears but really what you'd like is something a bit more relaxed yeah because a lot of running especially for amateurs like me is that the, a huge part of running is controlling your tempo and your breathing so if you have music that's kind of driving you on and actually your body needs to slow down and you need to think about your breathing then they kind of conflict against each other a little bit so oh, yeah. so yeah so i've used it and that was that was kind of my thoughts on it yeah have you guys used it no, I haven't really used any sort of fitness apps like that. Um, Maybe because I don't exercise. I think that's well, probably got yeah. a lot to do with it, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, I keep thinking about how much I need to do exercise, but then never quite get around to it. Yeah. I have, I did play a bit with things like my mum bought a Wii, uh, mm-hmm. specifically for Wii Fit, and I have used that a handful of times back when I was living in their house. Um, but yeah, I I didn't manage to stay on with that much either. Well, yeah, I think- yeah. I was, I was just gonna say that I think maybe I should have a look at it because um, there's been a lot of studies that show activity and stress are linked quite closely. So um, okay, so well. yeah, I, I was on the um, uh, Amer- is it the American um, anxiety and depression. Um, Groups website earlier, mm. and, um, and they were saying twenty percent of the people they pulled in a recent study showed that their stress and anxiety is greatly reduced through activity. Mm. Um, and I've heard similar sort of, or even if not higher, stats from the NHS uh, here in the UK. So I think, yeah, it's the whole fitness thing is, particularly in a country like the UK, is very interesting because the NHS is centrally funded and. The idea of if you can reduce people's stress, anxiety, depression through fitness, there's huge cost savings for the government. So people getting healthy, um, apart from all the obvious things like you live longer, has lots of knock-on effects for society. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. And since we're sort of headed in that direction, one of the other bullet points that I put for us to consider today is are there any apps that, you know, aren't just for physical health benefit, but anything for sort of mental mental health benefits? Um, did you find any? 
Because I, I really, I put that down because I saw one app that I had in mind, but I'm interested to see. Um, in terms of apps and things, um, yeah, or devices, yeah, not really. The thing, the thing that I kind of found when looking and, and was thinking about when looking about things like mental health um, tends to be VR stuff. Um, so yeah. there is a lot of ideas of obviously VR is taking off as we've previously podcasted about and it's a growing area at the moment and one of the potential uses that's being looked at and considered is um, the idea of using it to mock up something to help people deal with phobias um, so like there is an app for instance uh, I say an app, there is a VR experience that is geared around public speaking so it will create a sort of auditorium full of people and you're there stood on the stage and you have to deliver your your lines or whatever it is your speech that you've put together uh, and the the people who are controlling it can control the crowd so they can you know make them stare at you stone-faced or make them be like happy and relaxed and cheering <laughs> you on or make them boo you things like that so oh, right so it's like a difficulty meter for it yeah i mean yeah so you can like build up to like and face if you're if, if one of your fears is that you are you know you're going to be booed off stage then you can experience that and see what that's like and and face your fear basically mm. vertigo as well is another one that's uh, quite a common thing because mm. um yeah vr is very good at perspective mm. isn't it and depth and size and scale well, and, and I heard um, just recently, last week actually, I was speaking to a doctor at the Children's Hospital here in Sheffield, and she was telling me about how they're using VR, they're trialing VR, not at the Children's Hospital, but in hospitals around the world, they're trialing VR for children to re reduce stress and anxiety before surgical procedures, before MRIs or scans, or where kids might be claustrophobic or stressed out. And the way that they do that is by rather than kind of living out this circumstance, they just get them to play games in the v with the VR headset on. And um, because they begin to exert themselves um, and, and they have to begin to control their breathing as part of that, that that ends up reducing the likelihood of them to get stressed in that environment. So they might play a game where they have to count their breaths while they watch penguins jump across ice. Right, <laughs> yeah. Every time they hold a breath, a penguin jumps. Um, and it actually teaches them to control their breathing, but all the while they, they just think they're playing a game, and that in effect um, affects their their sort of mood and their disposition to stress or anxiety in those kind of moments. So, mm. Apparently, the doc, um, they had just had a doctor over from California who was doing a conference on that with some of the staff in the area. So right. that's another kind of way VR is being brought in, though games, rather, yeah. To yeah. subconsciously get your breathing under control or affect your mental state without you necessarily having to go, like David said, the direct route of engaging with your fear. It's kind of subconscious dealing with it. So yeah. Lots of scope for VR in different areas. Yeah, we've talked about it for use in architecture and getting a sense of, you know, how big a house is and things like that. Yeah. Also for from from the other side of things, using it medically to help say trainee surgeons understand yeah. how to perform mm. an operation yeah like, uh, yeah maybe you could like use something like google glass and um, vr that video stream to a uh, to another surgeon who gets to then watch on or 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whispers cool. in your ear, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. While a crowd of angry people are booing you in the yeah. background. Yeah, that's great to me, isn't it? There is another um, an app I found called Spire, which is um, it's an app and a device. It kind of looks like a little. It actually looks like a stone with a little clip on it, mm. and it's um, apparently it's won design awards because it's so beautiful. Um, I've got to see it. Have you got yeah, a picture of it? Yeah, picture here on the laptop. I, I don't think it's that beautiful, but um, but it says huh. it reduces stress by fifty percent, and that it basically sends messages to you um, throughout. The day as you wear it that tell you to take big breaths it, it notices breathing patterns and if you're not breathing properly um, or at the rate that you would normally do it, it can sense that and tell you when to breathe and tell you to relax and it's kind of gentle reminders so instead of like shouting at you relax just <laughs> calm down a little, little vibrate and then you can check your phone and says your breathing suggests you're tense take a deep breath you know uh, which i think would actually make me anxious yeah i can see um, that going both ways like it's going what are you stressed about and, calm and, down and at the price of 150 pounds that makes me anxious as well um <laughs> But, well, that's fine, though, because you pay the money, you get it, and you yeah. can instantly stop being anxious. And I don't know if the app does it, but it doesn't seem, uh, if sorry, if the Spire, I'm not sure if it does it or not, but I can't, there's no indication from the website that it does any sort of um, sort of activity tracking. It is just tracking the sort of breathing of your body and then sending you hmm. alerts to your phone, kind of like the um, Apple Watch does with telling you when to stand or when to have a drink. Yeah, uh, and this is time to win breathe. <laughs> okay, um, right. So, um, but it's called Spire, and um, if you'd like to you know, check it out, 150 pounds, it can be yours. 150 dollars. That's more like 120. 20 pounds. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, but I don't think it does any activity. And one of the things that really stood out to me on their website was they had um, a review by one of their customers on Amazon, and it says when stress affects the brain. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it says Spire is the first wearable that actually measures something relevant to my well-being rather than just my activity. So major props to the Spire folks. The design is simple and elegant, no buttons or switches. I think what that review doesn't take into account is how much, how relevant activity is to mental health and to stress and anxiety yeah. and depression. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it'd be an oversight to think that recording activity um, has nothing to do with yeah. anxiety, stress, or depression. The body and soul aren't in some way uh, yeah. um, connected. Because there's a lot of data, and going back to this American site, which is the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, they suggest that um, all of the people who are members of there who have been taking part in this poll suggest that um, activity reduces stress, anxiety, and depression by yeah. huge numbers. Okay, um, right. So I, I saw another app called... Um, Pacifica, which is another uh, sort of uh, mental well-being health app. It doesn't have any sort of component. It's just the app. But the idea is that um, it has a range of things that, you know, if you're, if you're feeling stressed or you're having a bad day, it has a few different things. So it'll go through breathing exercises with you. Okay. There's something on it called gratitude forums where people, you know, <laughs> where people put just things they're thankful for that okay. day. Like, yeah. oh, you know, I'm thankful that I got to work quickly or something like that. Um, music for happiness. So people collect music that that would elevate your mood on there. And then, yeah, you can also use it to track your 
sleep and mood history. So, it, you know, you put in when you go to sleep, when you wake up, and it sees if it can find a correlation between the time you sleep and right, and your mood and things like that. Mm. Another thing is, um, have you got an iPhone, Matt? I do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not that you need an iPhone for this. I was going to talk about Flux, which is this software you can run on your computer. So it right. runs in the taskbar. Have you heard of it? No. David, I think you have. I think yes, I've talked, talked it up a storm with you. <laughs> yeah. um, basically, it's documented. I had to actually look at the benefits of this because I didn't know it offhand. But blue light, it contributes to keeping you awake. So studies found that if people are reading an iPad in, in bed just before they go to sleep, that can keep you awake for up to an hour longer than you usually would. Okay. So what Flux does is you can get it for Windows, you can get it for Mac, and it's on the latest beta of iOS, so you can get it on phones. And I would assume there's something similar for, for Android as well. And it just, toward, as the day goes on, as the natural light outside starts going away as night draws in it'll slowly up the the, the warm lighting on your phone okay yeah so it sort of simulates a, more of a halogen bulb uh, as opposed to a stark daytime effect okay and yeah it just allows you to transition into sleep mode better because it's not keeping you awake with so I, I install it surreptitiously on my wife's laptop because she stays up till the early hours just, you know, knocking out Word documents. Mm. She hasn't mentioned it. I don't think she's even realised. <laughs> so, why am I so sleepy now when but, I'm uh, on my... Yeah, why am I so sleepy all of a sudden? So yeah. I realise it. Like, what a night when I go on Facebook and it looked like everyone's got a spray on tan because the screen's so orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but if I... I'll just, uh, I'll just show you here as well. I've heard so, that Apple are actually... So if you hold it down, it previews it for you, oh. but you see how it sort of warms it up as opposed to what it normally is. That's pretty good. Yeah. It makes everything look kind of sepia. Yeah, the pro- yeah, problem is if you want to get work done, it's awful. And, and if yeah. you're doing some work that involves colours, then uh, it's yeah. similarly not yeah. great. Mm. But yeah. if you're lying in bed reading Twitter, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it's a nice shield for the eyes. Yeah, yeah I heard that the latest iOS is going to have it built in. Yeah. Uh, so iOS um, nine point three is going to be released soon. Yeah, and I think it, there's some. Uh, I don't know. There's been a little bit of you know. Did they steal the idea from Flux and why haven't they integrated it? Uh, you know, why haven't they worked with Flux to integrate it? But yeah, it's quite a quite a good one. Am I wrong in thinking one of the Android phones already has it built in as part of their system preferences? So it, I, I, it seems like the sort of thing that would be. The article I was reading on uh, about the iOS feature seemed to suggest that one of the Android phones already has it built into the settings. Hmm. Um, yeah, and they were, they were arguing the other way. Why is Apple ripping off someone else's? Well, you know how ideas. it goes, Matt. Android will adopt something, it's great. Yeah. But then Apple will make it popular the next yeah, year when yeah, they get around to releasing right. it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So soon everyone will be falling asleep in front of their phones because the light's reduced and it'll be all Apple's fault. How many injuries do you think might be caused by that in bed by people like holding their phone above their face and they fall asleep and drop it on their nose? I've never understood people that do that. I always hold it at a 90 degree angle in front of me and sit up. Um, There are times when I've been watching something and then 
an hour or two later, I wake up and I'm lying on top of the iPad wondering what's happened, <laughs> thinking, oh, please don't be broken, don't be broken, and it never has to its credit. No, it's just all sweaty. It's just a matter of time. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do that regularly, like I'll lie in bed and I'm struggling to get to sleep, which is probably, you know, now you've told me about flux, probably the worst thing I could be doing, but I'll then grab my phone and think, I'll just scan through Twitter or, you know, um, write an email or two and then I fall asleep doing it and the phone drops on the floor and the, the worst thing about that is because I fall asleep I wake up with a, a phone that's not charged yeah so yeah I had a I didn't uh, plug my phone in the other night or I did but it didn't start charging and I woke up with a 20, 20% on my phone which actually on an iPhone 6 gets you quite far so mm. yeah not the end of the world but I share your pain yeah definitely yeah. Um, right, I also found some, just talking about the next generation of health and sensors and things like that, I found this, um, which I think I saw in your notes, just to compare notes for a second, Matt, about um, a sweat tracking yeah. sensor. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's built into some kind of a, um, a bracelet, kind of like what you've got on at the moment. Yeah. But. Well, I mean... The article I read uh, was that the Stanford University and the University of California, Berkeley, have created a sweat analysis device that fits into a headband or a sweat oh, it's a headband, isn't it? Um, and it monitors potassium, glucose, and sodium levels in your body mm. um, and kind of gives an overall picture of the content of your sweat, which then in turn indicates how efficiently your body... Um, are, well, one, how efficiently it's working, but I think more importantly... Um, how well you're responding to the particular activity that you're doing because yeah. everyone has different body types and shapes and sizes and so some people might respond really well to prolonged cardio but low intensity like jogging mm. um, and other people respond really well to things like high intensity interval training and other people might respond really well to things like yoga and pilates which is you know if you think yoga is easy just give it a go it's not um, <laughs> and, and but all these different types of workouts um, they, they all have one thing in common, you sweat, and the sweat, they can analyze the sweat in-app on a phone and determine how well your body is responding and whether like that particular workout is the best for your body type, mm. depending on whether you're trying to build muscle or lose weight or just tone up after Christmas yeah. <laughs> or what, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, and the data can be sent to your phone and apparently it's going to potentially be the next big thing that's integrated like HR was with uh, heart rate monitoring was with Fitbits and Apple watches and things yeah We're saying that this might be the next level thing that gets integrated into Fitbits and yeah. Apple watches and could be bands and yeah so um, yeah sodium potassium two of the things you you mentioned um that can ind indicate hydration if you've got yeah. low I don't know if it's low or high levels of those low low levels of those right and lactate how is how how tired your muscles are or yeah or sorry when i say low levels if, if you're producing high levels of it in your sweat mm. then you're depleting your body quickly of it which yeah. means you're getting dehydrated okay so. right i'll move on to the uh the third bullet point i wanted to look at then are there um what are there any risks of moving to an automated or sort of sort of self-diagnosed healthcare that's done by apps as opposed to human beings anything like can you think of any negatives uh, my, my first thought was and this was this was 
specifically in relation to something like WebMD, you know, a big database where you can mm-hmm. diagnose your own illnesses, is that you there is the the capacity for it to go wrong. You mm-hmm. know, people all people are different and what works for one person as you say might not work for another person. So does the fact that I have high levels of sodium potassium in my blood really mean that I'm hydrated or not hydrated or you know is it can it accurately can it serve everybody or are we going to end up with people that are being you know in in the future if if this stuff was to be synced straight to your medical record to your nhs record is it going to show that uh you know oh joe's got sodium potassium through the nose we better get him diagnosed (laughs) you know better get him treatment for something which i don't actually have that Mm. kind of thing I think, um, I mean, like right now, as an example for myself, I've got a really sore foot, and it's only come on since I've started running long distances, like eight, nine miles. Uh, and so what's the first thing I did to find out if my foot was sore? What, what might it be? I Googled it, yeah. and I found three or four options that were all quite likely. They all sounded like they had the same symptoms. So the next thing I did was I went to Twitter mm-hmm. and tweeted using the UK run chat hashtag, which is um, a community of runners on Twitter. And I had lots of people reply. And the most helpful one was an osteopath who saw my thing. And she yeah. said, you should probably go see a doctor or an osteopath um, okay. or physio, all, all of whom are medical professionals who can actually look at it, feel it, um, understand it. And so I think there's, I think there's a place in, in tech for self-diagnosis to a point. Um, but I think the end where the information comes from needs to come from medical professionals, mm. not from people on Twitter or social <laughs> media who may or may not have had something similar. Um, so I think probably the right thing to do would be for companies like WebMD and patient.co.uk and I don't know, maybe even groups on Twitter would be when people are looking to make sure that the advice that's being put out there, and I know WebMD and patient.co.uk are doing this, uh, which is big props to them because they're, they're highly accurate in their medical analysis, but right. it's to make sure that the people are engaging with truth, not um, suspicions, or people yeah. who had a sore foot once, who are writing the content, because that's where I think you get really led astray. Yeah, man, if, if WebMD ended up being like some of the IT forums where you go, yeah. Yeah. written, written by people who had a sore foot you know, <laughs> yeah. written by a world's leading osteopath or physio or, so, mm, we, so I think the content being fed into those apps and tech um, coming from professionals makes it worthwhile but it doesn't replace the kind of human interaction yeah you can get like a online therapists and, and things like that you know people who you sit in a secure chat and you talk to them that way but and i can see because a lot of people do sort of vent online these things like tumblr or forums to sort of express themselves and it i can see how that would be beneficial but i wonder to an extent how much isolating yourself and not having that human contact you know certain things like last week we were talking about a computer that just managed to beat someone at go which is this complex board game. Uh, and it's because, you know, computers aren't able to think, I don't know if lateral, laterally is the quiet word, but, you know, in a way that, that humans might make deductions that humans can and, you know, introducing technology in place of humans. I just wonder if uh, it's, it's, it's 
quite binary, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's, all it boils down to is maths, and yeah, if, if the reason that you're making that decision. Yeah, I, I think I think these these fitness devices and things they probably quite useful for gaining information about say symptoms getting an idea of you know i've got high levels of this low levels of that this is happening when i do this and i'm able to correlate this thing with this thing that's that's probably quite useful in building up a picture of what's going on in terms of symptoms but yeah i think the actual decision and in and like having a look at those symptoms and saying this isn't really indicating anything that's perfectly normal that though we should look at that and things like that those kind of decisions i think need to be made by professionals so probably yeah if you if you take a bunch of information like i mean going to the doctor and saying my foot hurts is probably not as useful as going and saying when i run for this long and when i'm doing this and since i've been doing this kind of thing then my foot has started hurting Mm. so i think there's usefulness but yeah ultimately you do want to take those things to professionals too because otherwise you just sit there and you know google something and go oh my leg is going to fall off (laughs) yeah yeah and according to the good old google your foot has a human foot has 26 bones 33 joints 107 ligaments 19 muscles and tendons um and if that's the case and one of mine is hurting yeah i better go see someone who knows which ones to push on which ones to yeah. uh, twist poke to work out what it is and work out the right diagnosis because yeah. you know and, and the other thing is instinct you know these people have they have instinct because they have years of training. Yeah. The thing you mm. can't put into an app or is instinct because, as you said, David, it works on numbers, binary, by it works on trends rather than instinct and trends aren't the same thing. They don't function in the same way. So, yeah. So that's my opinion on it. Yeah. There was um. Did you ever listen to the uh, Ricky Gervais podcasts? The old one. They had uh, an episode with. So they have Carl Pilkington, who's their guy at their own. Their, their every week guest who comes up with some amazing ideas and one of his was a machine that doctors could get into so the patient gets in it analyzes their injury and then the doctor gets in and it gives him the injury so he can self-diagnose it <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. so you get in the foot hurts the doctor gets in and his foot hurts and he can go ah right i know what that is right, okay. yeah it goes some strange places there's some pretty uh, brutal injuries that he'd have to yeah, have to put yeah, up with yeah. yeah okay great well thanks for that I thought before we end the podcast, we'd just try uh, a little, uh, you know, a little weekly feature. Uh, it was kind of something we were talking about doing for the last last week's podcast, which we will call App of the Week. And uh, Adam's going to put together a jingle, aren't you? Yeah, yeah some swooshing noises. Yeah, some, some App of the Week. Did you yeah. talk to Adam about this before you? <laughs> just now. I've got it, on, got it recorded. Adam's all over it. So, yeah, I just um, thought we'd... Um, um, David, I mentioned it beforehand. Have you got any apps that you'd like to recommend for your app of the week? Well, when we were talking about this, I was I was saying that I didn't have many apps and well, I would probably burn through my collection. So why not talk about Neko Atsume? Hit me. What's Neko Atsume? So Neko Atsume is it's kind of a game where you you have a backyard and you put down a bowl mm-hmm. in your backyard and you fill it with tuna or something, a, a food stuff. 
mm-hmm. and cats come and visit your yard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot like a Tamagotchi in a way. A little bit, yeah. So essentially you're you're looking after a back garden um, and you've got various spots in the back garden that you can put down things to attract more cats, so like scratching posts or beds, things like that. Um, uh, yeah. I see in this case you've put down a ball of, of yarn and you seem to have a cat. Yeah, so right uh, Snowball the cat, who has uh, visited me 73 times, oh, right, yeah, is, okay. is busy enjoying the uh, the uh, the ball of yarn. Right, great. So yeah, you uh, you just kind of you check in every now and again. You have a look. Oh, there's there's a couple of cats. Couple top of cats. up the food bowl and then turn off the app again and then check in a bit later. And the cats will have left you some gifts, hopefully, oh, right and now. you can you use those to buy more things. Big in Japan, isn't it? It was very big in Japan. In fact, um, so this was originally out on the iPhone, and yeah. um, even before it got an English translation. Um, because it's quite a fairly simple concept, quite a lot of people were playing the iPhone version in Japanese. Yeah. Just because it was, you know, fun and doesn't take a lot of your time up. No, but yeah, no, it's, it's, good. it's now out in English and on Android. Right. So get it downloaded. Matt, have you got anything for us? Yeah, importantly, I'm going to stick on topic and say uh, an app called My Fitness Pal. Uh-huh. Um, partly just because of the my training regime at the minute um is it a free app it's a free app yeah and i've got the free account uh, you can you can get a premium account but basically um it tracks your food intake i wish it did it automatically but you actually have to search the database and punch in the food you've eaten and the weights you've and the, the amount of food uh, which sometimes is a bit annoying because um the american market likes to you know measure things like nuts by the ounces <laughs> Uh, instead of the grams, uh, instead of by the weight. Um, so that can be a little, you know, um, annoying thing to overcome. But it, the, the it, cool sounds, it sounds like what they need is some sort of sensor you can maybe put as a cap yeah, on your teeth or something, know, and it, like, detects what you're eating. And it knows how many times you've chewed, so it can indicate how much you've yeah. consumed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's basically a, a, a food diary, and it tells you how you've eaten um, through that day as long as you've punched stuff in mm-hmm. and I've kind of found that I've become a bit obsessive about recording every little thing but the cool thing is it's got a barcode scanner on it so if you are getting like a sandwich from the shop that's pre-packed oh. you can just scan it, it and um, it'll put in everything to do with that food mm. and if that particular sandwich is not in then you can sit and manually input that sandwich and then it stores it in the database so the database is always growing Right. Of okay. its users. Something you do have to watch out for because some stuff is like, wow, these people put the data in completely wrong and then you have to put in a new one. But by and large, um, you know, it's pretty accurate and you know it's accurate when it has a green tick next to it because it means oh, that right. it's, um, like verified it's like the verified kind of, of MyFitnessPal. And it means that they've gone to like Sainsbury's and says, does your sandwich actually have 406 calories and does it actually have 30 grams of you know, sodium and does it act, you know, whatever. And it goes through all the kind of categories. And then at the end of the day, it tells you whether you're calorie deficient because you have to put in your height, your weight, your age, all that sort of stuff hmm. to work out a body profile. And then it tells you whether you're calorie deficient or calorie surplus. Right. And with my training to make sure I have the fuel to run eight, nine miles, um, and yeah, I need to be calorie deficient to lose weight, but only slightly. So mm. I still have the energy to run. So, 
Okay. I right. use it. Good choice. Five times, six times a day, seven times a day. Or just put in snacks. Glancing at your phone though. If you got the same app twice, it looks like it's there twice. It does look like it's there twice. So that's because uh, Map My Run is owned by the same people as My Fitness Pal. It's all owned by Under Armour. Okay, right. And I think they both have so much functionality. I think they've had to split them out because there's. They also have Map My Walk as well, which is basically the same as Map My yeah. Run. It's it's a little bit annoying because you have with the Under Armour apps you have to get like they also own Endomodo I think which is okay yeah run thing. heard of that one but they're all split out into different apps which is a little bit annoying you just wish they'd have one but I think the sheer amount of it's too much app there for one app yeah, I think I do think that's what it boils down to so okay right but my fitness pal good choice um, I actually haven't thought about it <laughs> should have thought about it. Um, but I'm going to go with um, it's uh, it's a game called Papa Sangri. You heard of this? No, I think sure. I might mention it to you a while back. It's uh, it's it's a strange one. Um, you have to play it stood up. You stand in the middle of a room. You put headphones on. Nothing actually happens on the screen. It's all audio. So you put your headphones on, and it's Sean Bean narrating it actually. But it uses the gyro in your phone to figure out which direction you're facing, and it we and it tells a story weaves weaves a narrative and it there's bits where you have to so the, the screen is just divvied up into left and right mm. and you click on you tap on the left to put your left foot forward the right to put your right foot forward mm. so basically you stand there you rotate and you press left and right and you hear the clip clop clip clop of your feet and it's like you're you're moving around a 3d space even though you're not moving and you don't actually see anything it says stand there like close your eyes stand in a dark room and close your eyes kind of thing Right. But then it'll ask you to do things like, okay, we're in a museum. There are three jewels. There's like three jewels in different uh, cases. Go and steal them. And so you have to feel your way towards where the jewels are. You'll hear like a ping when it's nearby. But then also the security guards walking around. So you've got to stay away from the security guards. And it's all in this sort of oral space, you know, oral 3D space. And there's bits where you've got to like suddenly book it so you gotta like click left and right really quick to run and then you'll hear like a thump oh you ran so fast that you fell over you know you have to get up and all the time the security chasing you it's quite good it's a couple of quid but worth looking at all right that ends our weekly segment app of the week insert jingle here adam (laughs) right okay i think that's everything so let's go through all the ways that you can contact us um, you can reach us at, um, let's start with Twitter, at Unraveling Tech. Please do send us an email if you'd like to talk about anything from this week's podcast or any previous weeks at podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk. We've got our blog, unraveling.technology, and please do visit us on iTunes and drop us a, a nice review. That'd be, that'd be really nice. Thank you in advance. So from me, David Johnson, and uh, Matt Lawler, uh, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Bye. Bye.